Oh, howdy ho, sub stackers. It is an Ask Corey Anything. Uh, for all you audio nerds, I always like to let you know what microphone I'm using. Today, we are kicking it super old school. It's just the one that's hooked up to my headphones on my phone out here in the park. So you're probably gonna get, y'all probably hear them birds right there, unless my background music is covering it up. So you're probably gonna get some ambiance. Uh, I'm out of breath, and let me tell y'all something else too. The reason that there was not a park rent yesterday or the day before, kinda cool, I, I was recording the audiobook. So time was a factor, but also, um, y'all, I'm not kidding. This is gonna sound crazy coming from me because it seems like all I do is talk, but talking into a can for eight hours straight, it felt like I had sucked off a car battery. (laughs) My throat was absolutely killing me. We were gonna break it up into two sessions, but my little special boy had a doctor's appointment that I didn't wanna have to miss. So by God, I took me some caffeine pills and we knocked her out. And uh, not to pat myself on the back, but I think it was one of the better performances of my life. I had so much fun doing it. Um, I mentioned that because it's going to actually lead into our first question here from Brian. What is the best way to get a signed copy of the Round Here and Over Yonder book? That's a great question, Brian, that I genuinely wish I had the answer for right now. I know that they have... They sent me the book plates, which is like the thing that me and, since me and Trey aren't in the same place, that I can sign them and then I send them to him and then he signs them. And I haven't done it yet because I just got them, but they sent me a thousand of them. And I don't know if that means that the first thousand copies will be signed. I don't think that's a thing. I think what it is, is that they set those copies aside for us to do with and if that's the case um you know i'll have them on my website or if they allow me to just like you know if they truly allow me to sell them myself then i will just i'll give all the substackers a substantial discount like if i'm allowed to do that um and y'all be the first ones to know that way y'all get a signed copy before anybody else because that's how it ought to be uh I don't know the legalities of all that though. You know, I, me, Corey Forster, especially on this Substack, this is a very mom and pop situation, very direct to consumer situation. But obviously, you know, I was fortunate enough to write this book with HarperCollins and you know, they're kind of a big deal and there's a process for everything. So I'll tell you this, Brian, as soon as I know, you'll know. How about that? Uh, Diana asks, when is your new book coming out? Are you doing a book tour and coming to Powell's Books in Portland? Parentheses, please, in parentheses. Uh, the book will be coming out September 19th. Uh, obviously, you can pre-order it now. I don't want this whole Ask Corey Anything to be one big uh, promo for the book, but I am trying to answer all these questions in chronological order. And as far as coming to Powell's Books in Portland, I don't know. Um, I don't remember the last time Trey was in Portland. As you know, we're not touring together right now. Uh, I'm not gonna say we're not touring together anymore because that's, you know, we we obviously will get back together at some point, but he's doing solo stuff. And in this fall, I'm gonna be doing some solo stuff as well. That was, uh, you know, a lot of people, and and I I love how sweet everybody is and and how 
how awesome our well-read fans are. Um, but the band has not broken up. Like I understand how from an outside perspective, it might seem like that because Trey's touring solo, Drew didn't write the book with us. Like I totally get that. But you know, the truth of it is, is that we're just all in different places in our life. And so we're, our needs and wants are completely different right now. Like, uh, you know, when we first started the tour and we were going 45 weeks a year, it was totally fine for me because I didn't have a kid and hell, I wasn't even married, you know? And Trey was having to make this big sacrifice because he did have kids, but it was like, hey, you know, I gotta do it because, you know, when we first started touring, dude, you gotta understand that we didn't know how long that was gonna last. Like, I don't, we didn't, I didn't know that I would be seven years later still talking to fans of that tour, you know? It's crazy. Like, I actually thought about something the other day, and this is insane, but the Well-Read Comedy Tour has been together longer than Nirvana was together. <laughs> Isn't that insane? It's crazy. So, you know, Drew's having his baby in the fall. I just had mine, and, uh, and I told the guys, as soon as Amber got pregnant, you know, I told the guys, I was like, hey, look, man, you know, obviously, I'll, I... I might feel different when it comes. I said, but I really don't want to tour a lot, you know, especially when the baby first gets here. And uh, I was like, for two reasons, you know, number one, I want to be with my son. You know, we've tried to get pregnant for five years and now it's finally here. I want to be with my son, but probably more importantly, I was like, I don't want to just have this kid and then, you know, kiss Amber on the forehead and say, say see you later. You know, like that just wasn't, and I know some people have to do that but I'm in a fortunate position where I didn't have to do that. You know, there's obviously nothing wrong with a man having to miss time at home because he's at work. That's our, you know, our number one job is to provide for the kid, for sure. But I was just in, because of this book, I was in the fortunate position to sort of be able to call my shots. And, uh, and so I was like, that's just what I want, you know, want to do. And Trey was like, well, you know, honestly, kind of good timing because I've been thinking about running a new hour and, and seeing if I could do some solo shows. And so it just organically just, you know, kind of happened that way. Oh, this is a long way around answering, will I be coming to Powell's Books in Portland? Um, like I said, I don't know. I don't know what my fall schedule is going to be like. Me and Trey probably aren't doing any joint book tour stuff like we did um, on the last book tour. You know, it's just schedules. Um, I got solo stuff, he's got solo stuff, and you know, no matter how much or how little we tour together, like, we're always going to have a working relationship, like we, you know, like putting on airs is here to stay, we're always, you know, we're working on television projects together and shit like that, but it's, uh, I, d I definitely understand from the outside perspective, if you don't, like, know all the moving parts that you could be like, oh no, this thing that we like is coming to an end, uh, but that's not true. It's not coming to an end. It's just doing different, different stuff. You know what I mean? Speaking of well-read, the next question from Mamie Cole, Mamie Cole, is Bubba Shot the podcast done forever? And if not, do you know when it's coming back? Also, if time and space weren't a thing and you could put together a dream meal made up of different courses from any meals you've ever had anywhere, what would you pick? Finally, how's Amber recovering since the birth? 
Uh, dude, Amber's, and by the way, this question was from a long time ago because I, I made this thread a while back, but she's, she's doing wonderful. Amber's great. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, she, she had the C-section or whatever. And, and, uh, they, t they told her how long it was going to put her, put her out. But Amber is, um, dude, she's something else, man. Like I've told y'all a million times, she don't get sick. Her threshold for pain is absolutely astonishing. Uh, so, you know, we're all kicking ass on the baby front. Um, as far as the dream meal made up of different courses from any meals you've ever had anywhere, dude, I don't even have, I, I didn't, uh, a lot of times with these questions, I look over them before, so I'll be prepared. I don't even have to be prepared to answer this one because I immediately know off the top of my head. Let's start from the entree. And, no, let's start from dessert and work our way backwards. How about that? There two desserts that might compete against each other and that is well no three the bread pudding and the coconut cake both from canyon grill which is a uh, nice restaurant on the mountain near where i live i would i would love to have those desserts at any meal ever they're both tremendous however you saying time and space isn't relative uh and that's good because i don't even remember the name of this restaurant but surprisingly the best creme brulee and lord i'm a huge creme brulee fan the best creme <clears throat> sorry my throat's still killing me the best creme brulee i've ever had in my life was at this restaurant in fargo in fargo north dakota and stupid story about this uh trip we <laughs> we were this is early on in the tour when uh None of us knew how money worked, but we just knew we were making a lot of it. So we were going to a lot of nicer restaurants that we couldn't afford before. And so we're at this nice restaurant in Fargo, and it's like several hours before the show. And we're having like steak and all the sides and stuff. And it was so good that we just told the person, we're like, hey, you know what we got here? Make that again and put it in bags for us so we can have it after the show, right? And, uh, and so we did. And then for dessert, we had a creme brulee, and it was the best creme brulee I've ever had. And we were so drunk that we left all of that to-go food just sitting at the restaurant. Like a hundred and something dollars worth of food, we just forgot about it. And I think about it all the time, like, God damn it, what I would give to have that second creme brulee and also that hundred dollars back that I completely wasted. Um, Bubba Shot the Podcast. For those of you who aren't familiar, Bubba Shot the Podcast was like a special series that we did on the well-read podcast feed where we talked about 90s country music uh drew was sort of the point man on it the host the, oh fuck me i just walked into a spider web the, it was drew's concept uh that he came up with and uh i can't i i, I want to say the reason we stopped doing it was just because drew didn't have a lot of time and listen and all of this, I would say to Drew's face, he knows it. We've been telling him for so long, we got to bring that shit back because, and I'm not kidding, every, it, it might be the, the thing in our career that people ask for more than anything. Like people are constantly going, bring Bubba back, bring Bubba back, bring Bubba back. And like, we need to do it. Hell, me and Trey even told Drew, we're like, dude, why don't we just turn the well-read podcast into Bubba? Let's just transition. Like, we'd probably have more fun with it anyways. But Drew, I think, creatively, he wants to do it as more of a limited series. Obviously, uh, we disagree, but, you know, I respect his decision. That's on him, you know. Uh, but, yeah, if y'all haven't listened to Bubba Shot, the podcast, you can uh, 
you can search for it in the well-read podcast feed it was a really good time us and our buddy the indian outlaw tushar singh uh i sure had a blast with it i would love for it to come back but that ain't up to me uh let's do one more here before i completely run out of breath and also i gotta go have salmon patties with my niece Suze says or asks rather what was some of the biggest internal nonsense that used to get in the way of your writing and performing also thanks for hosting this substack well Suze, thank you for being on this substack uh honestly god jesus christ thank you all for being on this substack y'all really don't know like you know like i feel like you can see performers or entertainers or whatever talk about how much they appreciate their fans and maybe sometimes it comes across as like disingenuous or like oh that's what you're supposed to say but like god damn it y'all I really do mean it like this Substack <clears throat> has been so awesome for me um obviously the extra coin you know every month considering I have a baby is awesome too but more than that just having a um just having a place to be creative get ideas out there you know, I'm like I'm on a first name basis with a lot of people in here and you know, feel like we kind of know each other. <clears throat> I definitely know y'all have to feel like you know me at this point because lord, as my mama says with most stuff I say, I don't think I'd have told that. <laughs> but I really do love this Substack. Um I was just walking around thinking actually like, you know, we talked a while back about doing the live streaming thing and I'm I'm like I'm finally ready to get that get that up and running um it's almost like i get god damn i get so many ideas that and then i go wait you're only one man (laughs) i get i'm like oh shit i forgot i'm only one man but i want to get that live streaming thing started i want to do like some sort of special show and again it'll just be like only people subscribe here can come because you know like a hangout for us or something because i really love y'all and y'all are awesome but anyways what were some of the biggest internal nonsense that used to get in the way of your writing and performing uh well i think the first hurdle that I had to get over was when you, I think when you first start doing comedy and probably when you first start doing anything it's just that like you know I can only speak for comedy there's this there's this notion that you like who you're writing for at the beginning is you want to impress other comedians you know what I mean like you don't you you don't want to do something that will just make the audience laugh you have to do something that all the comedians will not only laugh at, but go, damn, that was good. I wish I'd have thought of that. Or, ooh, I respect that. So, like, there's a lot of jokes that you'll come up with, and you're like, oh, this, you know, this will work. And it works in front of the crowd, and everybody loves it, but you can tell the comedians are like, oh, that's kind of hacky or whatever. And so you just go, oh, I can't do that anymore. And it's like, you have to get over that because you're, <laughs> you're not performing for the, the comedians don't pay your bills you know what I mean um, first and foremost I think that something maybe it took me a long time for, for this too is like your, your, your first audience is yourself like do I like this is this good because if not then you shouldn't ever say it like if it don't if you don't think it's good then you shouldn't say it <laughs> and, I, and, I, and like you know what I'm saying now like Obviously, there's been some things that I've thought of and I've written that I genuinely, I was like, this is fucking great. And then the audience uh, told me to the contrary that no, in fact, we don't like that. Now, on, on certain jokes, if that happens, I'll be like, okay, maybe I worded it wrong. And I'll try it several more times. 
you know, change it up. I'm like, well, I'm just not, it's not there yet. Then after a while, you go, okay, that one's just something that you think is funny, and that's fine, but you're here to entertain a crowd of people, not you. But that was a huge hurdle for me is like, obviously you want the respect of your peers, but like, you gotta let some of that shit go. Like, like I said, like, I'm doing comedy for an audience. I'm not doing comedy for the back of the room. And when you first start out in comedy, you're exclusively doing it for the back of the room. And the club owner, Michael Alfano, who really molded me, very father-son relationship we have, he's the first one that told me, he's like, hey, you're up there killing for the back of the room, kid. You're killing for the back of the room. Nobody else up here knows what the fuck you're talking about. You know? And uh, so that was a big hurdle. And then also there's just the... um, yeah, I still feel this sometimes. Is like sometimes I'll write something or write a joke or something, and like to me it's it's great, but maybe it's a little personal or you know what? Or I, I still get the nerves of like when I'm putting something out. It's like oh god, people are gonna read this. What if they don't like it? And I don't know if that ever really goes away. You just gotta like I don't know, fight through it and just do it anyways. Uh, you know. Like, I guess that that quote is like, you know, being brave isn't not being scared. It's being scared and doing it anyways. And obviously, uh, I'm not sitting here trying to uh, equate my writing and performing to going to war or anything like that. But you feel me. Um, You got to just like, you know, there is that hurdle of, of man, sometimes you're going to fail and you got to get cool with that. And you just got to know that, like, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess you are judged by the last thing you did. (laughs) But at the same time, you just got to be like, well, that one's a stinker. Maybe the next one will be good. Or, you know, um, obviously, the (laughs) the humanity is not very good at letting people have a pass on anything. So, like... You're always worried that, like, you know, like my mom would always, like, I'd have a bad show or something, and my mom would be like, oh, well, you know, you'll get them next time, or it was just a bad crowd or whatever, and I'm and like, your next show will be great, and I was always be like, yeah, mom, but those people won't be there. To those people forever, I'll be the guy that had a bad show. And, uh, I fuck, man. <laughs> I'm talking myself into getting scared about it all over again. Um... But yeah, that, and also uh, another thing, especially in my writing, um, a big hurdle for me was that I'm not, like I'll be the first to tell you this, I'm not grammatically smart. I didn't fucking pay attention to any of that shit in school. I mean, I did in like elementary school, but that was it, anything past that. Like, dude, I I don't know where semicolons and regular, I kind of know where colons go now. But you get what I'm saying. And used to, I was like, oh my God, you know, I can't put any of the stuff I write. Like, I know the stuff that I write sounds good, but it looks stupid because of, because I, because it's not grammatically correct or whatever. And I was like, everybody's going to think I'm a fucking idiot. And then you start reading, like, I don't know, dude, like 
David Sedaris is a great writer, for sure, but, like, no one's comparing him to fucking Faulkner or anything, and I don't think anyone gives a shit if David Sedaris uses a comma here or forgets one there. Like, it's just funny prose, and it's entertaining, and it's interesting, and more importantly, it's authentic, and it's him. And once I finally got over the hurdle of just like, hey, dude, you don't have to, when you write, you don't have to write, you don't try to write like a writer, write like fucking Corey Ryan Forrester, write like yourself, you know, and, uh, and that really helped me, like, obviously, dude, there's still people that make fun of, you know, I'll accidentally spell something wrong and not catch it on (laughs) fucking spell check or, you know, I'll have a run-on sentence, and dude, of course, there's still people that, like, give me shit for that on the internet, a matter of fact, uh, I wrote an entire essay about it that you can find here on this substack called, I think it's called, I Don't Know No Words Too Good, <laughs> which was, uh, I wrote that about my insecurity and sort of trying to flip it on its head. Uh, but that was a huge one, is like always trying to be right instead of be real, you know? So that was a pretty big hurdle. And uh, that is the three main ones, man. You know, it, it really is just all about uh, you got to do it. Like you just got to fucking do it. Like that's the, that's the thing that is the scariest about my profession, but also the thing that I love the most about it is that like you, (laughs) in order to know if something works, you have to do it in front of people, period. There's no other way to say that. Like, you know, if you, if you're, if you're like a cook or something, you can test your fucking cupcakes several times before you try them out at the restaurant. You can do it at home. Comedy don't really work like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, maybe you could let some people read it and be like, what do you think? But I, I don't know. Like, And by the way, I'm very aware that uh, cooks and chefs at restaurants have so many hurdles. It's just that like, it is something, there are certain things that you can practice and practice and practice a bunch, not in front of people. And to me, Comedy is not one of those things. Like, for real, you can't, like, I can't write a joke and perform it in the mirror and know if it's going to work on audience. Can't do it. It can't. It has to come out of your mouth at a certain point for the very first time, and it's a fucking huge gamble. It's a goddamn huge gamble. Now, granted, because y'all sweet people come out to the shows, and, like, I have actual fans now, I get a little bit more grace on stage, especially if you'd seen me before. Like, you know, let's say I throw one out there that's maybe not as funny as one of the other ones you've heard you'll still go yeah but I know this guy's funny so maybe the next one will be okay (laughs) you know what I mean but when you're first starting out dude doing open mics and shit boy you don't know you just start talking and then you pause hoping that they fill that gap with laughter and it's crazy it's crazy as shit Uh, but I love it what the fuck kind of flower is this I might have to take a picture of that and send it to y'all anyways okay All right, that'll be it for today on Ask Corey Anything. I ain't gonna lie, my throat's a little sore still. Uh, My belly's full. I've been walking up these hills. I gotta go eat salmon patties with my niece. I love y'all so much. Uh, Sorry for the audio quality on this. I didn't have my good microphone with me and I didn't feel like running back home. But y'all are the best. I love you so much. Thank you for pre-ordering the book. Thank you for listening to Putting On Airs, all that good stuff. And uh, I will talk to y'all maybe tomorrow definitely Sunday. Um, See how my throat feels. Love you. Bye-bye.